The Word of God is proclaimed. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. My son, my daughter, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for He guards the course of the just and protects the way of His faithful ones. Our second scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. And this morning we're going to read from Jesus' most famous and longest teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, and we are reading the conclusion of his famous Sermon on the Mount. Some of you know this. The Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew kind of morphs into the Sermon on the Plain in the Gospel of Luke, which leads many to believe that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that he preached a variety of or a version of in many places as he traveled from village to village. This is the teaching, a version of this teaching is what he gave to those who would consider being his followers. And so this is the conclusion of all that he taught, right, about judgment and forgiveness, about living a righteous life, a life that is more righteous than that of the teachers of the law during that time. So this is, this is how he concludes. Therefore, everyone who just heard my sermon, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, a wise woman who built his or her house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man, a foolish woman, a foolish teenager who built their house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Today's sermon title is Doing Makes the Difference. In other words, it's not simply what you know, it's what you do with what you know that makes the difference. For example, judging by appearances this morning, before departing for church, you all did the exact same thing. Yes. I am presuming, assuming, predicting that everyone here today took the exact same action before arriving. And it's verifiable. I see the evidence on your face. And before you bring in your church guilt, the thing that we all did was we caught a glimpse of ourselves in the mirror. You saw your face this morning and you knew that you had to wash it. Yes, that lovely face created in the image of God to give honor to God, you washed it. You saw, well, yeah, almost everyone, you saw that hair and you knew you had to do something with that hair. You saw those teeth and you knew that you had to brush your teeth. You did something with what you knew. And let me tell you, as I'm looking at you, that doing makes all the difference. I was raised in the Presbyterian church, raised a Presbyterian. And as long as I can remember, I knew the message of Jesus Christ. Not only that, I knew and I believed in the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. I can look back at my life and say, I, always, I, I can never remember a time in which I didn't know and believe in the grace, the grace, the mercy, and the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Son of God, gave his life to forgive sinners. On Easter Sunday, he rose in victory. And for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, we will join him in heaven for all of eternity. And as a teenager, when it came time to join the church, the Presbyterian church, you had to be confirmed. But it wasn't enough to simply believe in that message. You had to believe and know the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. And, I, and I'm glad that I was forced to memorize those things and recite them before the elders, before being confirmed. Uh, I'm glad that that was a, a base of, of theology and, and doctrine for me. Yet, if you asked teenage Greg Penza with his double-pierced left ear and his Walkman headphones on his ears, if you asked me, how has believing and knowing Jesus Christ 
make, made a difference in your life, I would have taken my earphones out and I would have to tell you truthfully that knowing and believing in Christ made no difference in my daily life. The reason, you may be wondering, I wasn't doing anything with what I knew and believed. James, Jesus's little brother, famously wrote in James chapter 2, verse 17. Many of you know this verse. Faith without works is dead. Dead faith makes no difference. And if you were raised in the church, you might be surprised by the way Jesus ended his most famous sermon and debatably his most frequently preached sermon. Before he stepped off the mountain, he concluded, everyone then who hears these words of mine, who knows these words of mine and does them will be like a wise person who built his house on the rock. And what he's saying to me this morning is it's not enough for me to know Jesus' words and preach them on Sunday morning. What he's saying to you this morning is it's not enough for you to know Jesus' words and agree with them and feel convicted by them. Jesus is saying, you know my teachings now do something with what you know and you'll discover that doing makes all the difference. When it comes to the Bible, when it comes to Jesus' words, specifically the Sermon on the Mount, I think I know why we don't do more with what we know. I don't know about you, but judging comes quite naturally to me. Ranking, comparing, rating, making assumptions, weighing the, the, the valor of another human being is easy. Peacemaking is hard. Loving a friend feels good. Loving an enemy is dangerous. Holding a grudge is natural. Forgiveness is divine. Sexual compromise is tempting. Purity is a battle. Flying off the handle, losing your temper makes us feel powerful. Turning the other cheek, well, now that takes self-control. Eating junk in front of the TV is soothing. Praying and fasting is self-denial. Knowing what to do is easy. Actually doing it is hard work. And Jesus knew that doing wasn't going to be easy. Putting his words into practice is not for the faint-hearted. This is why he equates hearing his teaching and doing them to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And I may have mentioned from the pulpit before that I lived in the Dominican Republic for four years. And as a missionary, I partnered with an organization named the Foundation for Peace. 
And we partnered with mission organizations, with church people, with doctors. And one of the things that our mission team learned is that serving with the Foundation for Peace was not easy. That digging a foundation to build a church, a school, a medical clinic, or a water purification on an island is not easy work. That um, digging through coral is hard work. And we used to receive these mission teams and they would do all sorts of things. We would do vacation Bible schools. We would have revival church services. We would host medical clinics. But part of the missions trip was to do some building. And on the first day when we would roll out 10 or 12 pickaxes for the group to dig through the coral rock to lay the foundation, I got to tell you, everyone was so excited to start digging. It was as if on day one and two, we didn't have enough pickaxes. People wanted to dig and dig and dig. They were so eager. They fought to dig. By day two or three or four, you may find this surprising, it was almost as if we had too many tools. The excitement of digging had worn off. Do you know what it was replaced by? Blisters on hands, sore arms and aching backs and complaining how much more digging are we going to have to do? We ought to hire someone to do all this digging because digging a foundation into rock is hard work. It requires sacrifice. It hurts. It requires teamwork and persistence. Do you know why we dug into the rock? Why we insisted that we must dig into the rock? Because storms would come. Hurricanes would come. It was inevitable that hurricanes would come. 80, 90, 100, 120 mile per hour winds would beat against that house. The waters would rise. Flood waters would enter into those buildings. But the buildings that we built on the rock stood in the storm. The reward on the other side of the hard work of laying that foundation in the rock was that those buildings would survive the storms. And not only that, become a place of refuge for families and communities. And the reason is because many of those people around those buildings couldn't afford to build into the rock and lay a foundation of concrete in the rock. And so when the storms would come to those communities, rural, poor, impoverished communities, they had no choice but to build their houses on the sand. And the same storm would come, 80, 90, 100, 120 mile per hour winds. The same oceans and streams would rise, and their homes would be swept away because they were built on the sand and not into the rock. When it comes to Jesus' teachings, we have a choice. 
right? It's not about whether or not we have the money to dig in the rock and buy concrete and rebar. We have a choice between building our lives, our futures, our dreams on sand or building our lives on the rock. And Jesus is making reference. He's saying that building, finding your life on the rock, building your life, your family on the rock is building your life on Jesus's teachings, practicing and applying those teachings into your daily life because Jesus understood something and that is doing makes the difference. Even in our faith life, it's the application and the doing that makes the difference. This is why starting next week, not this week, but next week, our church is beginning the Red Letter Challenge. And the Red Letter Challenge, I have my book right here, the Red Letter Challenge consists of two challenges. I want to invite you to pick up one of these books. We have them in the back of the sanctuary. If, if you're watching online, call the office. We'll set one aside for you. But the Red Letter Challenge is two challenges. The first challenge is for 40 days to open up this book and to read the devotional. And for some of you, you, you already have a devotional time, and that's great. For others of you, uh, throughout your life, I, I, I'm assuming, I'm guessing, that, that you've, you've tried to do a daily devotional. You've succeeded in, in opening up your Bible and, and having a daily devotional time. But you've also sometimes forgotten about that commitment to do a daily reading. Maybe you gave up on that daily reading Bible plan. And so the first challenge is to restart, to reignite of this 40-day challenge. And that first challenge is to read every day from the Red Letter Challenge. The second challenge within the Red Letter Challenge is to apply or put into practice what you just read about. And I cheated. I hope that you'll still install me as your pastor on October 16th. I cheated. I, um, I started doing the Red Letter Challenge this summer. I, I wanted to do it before I ask anyone else to do something. I think this is solid leadership. You do it yourself, right? I'm, I'm not telling you to go up on the ladder until I'm willing to go up on the ladder. So this summer, my wife and I started the Red Letter Challenge. And I have to tell you that for someone like me who's constantly reading God's Word, studying God's Word, it was the challenge, the doing, that made all the difference. I, I didn't get a ton of new information. Uh, it, they were great reminders. It was understandable. Uh, it's, it, was, it was great. It was very practical. But it was in the challenge. It was in doing what, the, what, what I was being challenged to do that made all the difference. And I'll, I'll give you one example. I got a, plenty of examples. Wow. I'm going to give you the same uh, example that I, I gave during our first service. One of the challenges is fasting, it, for one day fasting. And you all know my, my wife is nursing, and so the idea that we were going to fast from food just wasn't realistic for our family right now. Um, she's got to eat so that the baby can eat. Amen? So we said, what God, God, what is it that you'd want to cut out of my life? What, what's something that, that is interfering with 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 what you want to do, what you want me to have. 
And we came up with cell phones. And um, we came up with not, I'm never going to pick up the phone. Hey, for 40 days, hallelujah, no one can get in touch with me. I'm free. No, for us, what faithfulness looked like in that challenge was when we arrived home, when I arrived home from work, that the phones were going to be locked away. We were going to lock them in a room. And our time with our children and with one another was going to be our time with our children and with one another. And do you know, it immediately improved my time with my children. Those moments that are meaningful that you actually want to capture with a friend or family, that you are fully immersed and undistracted because we were fasting from our phones. That my wife and I, instead of looking at our phones, that we were able to engage in a devotional and talk about the Red Letter Challenge and pray together. And that, that not only helped my relationship with my kids, but my relationship in my marriage. See, doing makes all the difference. And so I want to encourage you today to pick up a Red Letter Challenge book and to commit to doing the challenge. Here's the other thing. When I was in the Dominican Republic and we were digging these foundations and you thought it was hot this summer. It was hot this summer, by the way. We had a really hot summer. That's normal in the Dominican Republic. It's like, oh, it, no, it's summer. Not it's hot. It's, it's just summer. And we were digging foundations into rock in that heat. I have to tell you that not one human being would have been successful in finishing the challenge of digging the foundation if they were trying to do it alone. And, that's, and, and this is so biblical. If, if you know anything about, about the Bible, you know that Jesus doesn't send people out alone. He sends us out in pairs. He calls us to do things together, to follow him together. He never expects that we'll have the persistence to do it alone. And that's why in your pews, we have red letter challenge small groups. And we have night ones and morning ones. We have Zoom ones and in-person ones. And I want to encourage you, if, if you feel called, if, if God is challenging you to do Jesus' words, to sign up for a red letter challenge small group, it's where you'll find encouragement and strength and have your questions answered about doing Jesus' word. And so I want to encourage you to not only do the challenge by doing it alone, but also joining a small group. The last thing I want to say about the Red Letter Challenge this morning is, uh, some of you have Bibles like this. Many of the Bibles that were printed in the 20th century, I don't know when they started doing this, maybe you can tell me during coffee hour, um, Jesus' words were printed in red. Has anyone here ever seen a Bible like that where his words are printed in red, right? And so that, this, that's this Bible, one of my favorite Bibles. So the Red Letter Challenge kind of gets its name from this idea of Jesus' teachings and the words that he spoke with this focus. But one of the things I love about this challenge is it's not limited just to Jesus' words. They pull scriptures from all over the Bible, scriptures that you're reading from Jeremiah or another Old Testament prophet, and you say, I don't get that. 
But when you line it up with Jesus's words and the devotional, you'll get it and you'll know what to do and how to respond. The, the challenge though revolves around five of Jesus's principles, five things that Jesus taught. And I wasn't gonna do this, I can't believe I'm doing it, but I'm going to do it. I'm taking the plunge. I'm not gonna call Pastor Liz up here uh, because it's her birthday, hallelujah. You can stay seated in the pew. Pastor Liz had this shirt on today. I have the shirt on today. And it's all about, can you say it? I feel like Superman, super pastor. It's the five principles. And maybe you can read it, maybe you can see it, you can see it at home, I'm sure. The five principles are be, forgive, serve, give, and go. And so those are the themes for each week that we will be looking at. And here's the, the, the last thing I wanna say about the Red Letter Challenge. And I'm gonna make some Presbyterians happy right now, hallelujah. Because I think that some of you are thinking, and, and if we have others from other denominations, Protestant denominations, Lutherans and, and Episcopalians and other denominations such as that, uh, don't worry, I'm gonna bring you back right now. There is nothing we can do to earn God's salvation, to earn God's blessing. There's nothing we have to do to earn God's love or earn God's salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Belief and faith is our on-ramp into relationship with Jesus Christ now and forever. But we don't, what I'm trying to say today, and I know I brought some of you back to our Reformed theology and our Book of Confessions, hallelujah, is that faith is the on-ramp onto the narrow path, right? We're getting off the wide road that leads to perdition and back on the narrow path that leads to life. And then we're called to be on that path of righteousness, to, to, get, to get on the road and to do the things that Jesus is calling us to do. Because not only do we receive blessing when we do that, but we bless God's name and we bless God's kingdom. Because remember that as Christians in our daily lives, it is doing that makes a difference. Amen.